The cannabis industry can be very scary and exciting at the same time, but you're not alone. Join the community and understand all the different influential people and ancillary providers who can help you scale and grow your audience and your business. I'm your host, Kamin Thrath. Let's dive into the Cannabis Business Development Podcast. Today, we welcome two very special guests, Dr. Benjamin Kaplan and Roger Saloom. Dr. Kaplan is known in the medical community for the rigorous application of standardized scientific tools to the nascent field of cannabis medicine. He has served as principal investor for multiple pharmaceutical research studies and has published in leading medical journals, including the New England Journal of Medicine. His clinical research continues as he monitors the therapeutic benefits of medical cannabis for a world that is more ever hungry for legitimate leadership and professionalism in cannabis. Roger Saloom is referred to by many as America's best unknown songwriter. At the center of the 1960s San Francisco psychedelic scene, Saloom played alongside musicians such as Santana, Van Morrison, B.B. King, and Procol Harum. His music can be described as a cross between blues, roots, Americana, country, and soul. Saloom always speaks from his heart and has a self-deprecating, humorous, everyman quality mixed with a powerful sensitivity and depth of character. Roger's unique story was featured in the six-time Grammy-nominated movie, So Glad I Made It, the saga of Roger Saloom, America's Best Unknown Songwriter. Saloom now can be found residing in his New England home with his wife, still occasionally playing shows and writing hit new songs such as I'm Free. We warmly welcome both Dr. Benjamin Kaplan and Roger to our show today. I want to be in my place at sunset. Honey, sun going down. Birdies singing their sweet set. My friends will be coming round. Dr. Ben Kaplan, welcome back again. Love all the different stories and insights that you're bringing around everything cannabis. And, you know, it seems like we have a, a special guest today. It does. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> I appreciate always the opportunity to be with you and to share the world stage. So today we have a really special treat. A good friend of mine, a real icon in, in the history of music, Roger Saloom. And Roger has an amazing story that everybody needs to hear. Yeah. Hi, everyone. So I'm a musician and I'm also a human being, you know, first. And so I had just gone, I had some kind of illness and we had gotten through it. And I say we, my wife and I, and we were at a conference for her. She was in the public health field. I'm in the music business. And I said, hey, Donna, something weird is happening. When I look to the left or right, I see double. And I said, I can't believe it. And she like, you know, figuratively slapped her forehead, you know, like, oh, my God, another problem. And I said, yeah, I don't know what it means. So then we just continued our lives. And then I noticed I was seeing double more often. And I said, I didn't have to be out of the corner of my eye. I could just be lying on my couch watching TV and I see double. And I can't stop it. So the only way I can stop it is by closing one eye because the myasthenia gravis attacks the two muscles coordinating the eyes, which they're doing all the time for everybody. But if I close one eye, they don't coordinate. So they don't have to coordinate so I can see singly. So we ignored it. And then my wife's birthday came up for July 15th. We were in Manhattan to watch a show called Come From Away. It's a Broadway show. And I couldn't see the stage too well. And so we went and saw the show. She was happy. Then we went into our back to our hotel room. 
and she started looking up my symptoms because I also couldn't walk without her. I had to hold her hand and I'm walking through if you can imagine this Times Square and slightly raining the place is still jammed and I'm holding her hand and I can't distinguish the curb from the street because I can't figure depth because my eyes can't see depth when they're messed up so she's holding my hand she gives me the umbrella I'm practically sticking people in the eye with my umbrella I said holy geez what's going on so we get back to the room and my wife's pretty scientific she's also was chairman of the board of health in Northampton She's been an employee with the Department of Public Health, a liaison officer. So she looks me up on the health websites, my symptoms. She says, Roger, I think you have a thing called, and she couldn't really pronounce it, but she said myasthenia gravis. I says, well, what the heck is that? She said, well, this is what it is. And the first things we saw were pretty ominous. They were frightening until we finally read uh, a doctor from the Mayo Clinic said in... Um, no, it was either the Mayo Clinic or it was, what's the place in Baltimore? Johns, Johns Hopkins. Hopkins. And she said, listen, you can live a normal life with myasthenia gravis. You just have to manage it. I said, wow, that was a relief. Because we didn't know if I was going to be paralyzed, you know, if this was heading towards full body paralysis or something. Because I also walked jerky. I couldn't control my legs. So instead of my feet going toe to heel... As I walked down the street, my feet would just flop on the ground because I couldn't have control of my arms, my legs. So I went to a neurologist and actually about four neurologists diagnosed me with myasthenia gravis. They did a blood test. I said, okay, what do I do? So I said, just take this medication. And we got the dosages figured out and it worked, but it wasn't always great. It, sometimes I'd get up from the couch and I couldn't walk. I said, Jesus, I can't walk across the living room. I could walk, but I really looked as if I had a neurological disorder, which is exactly <laughs> what I had. And I said, oh, Jesus. So this went on for two and a half years. I used a medication called pyridostigmine. Now I'm a musician and I was in the 60s, psychedelic rock. And I know all about pot, but I stopped smoking it 50 years ago. I had one club owner in Nantucket who insisted I smoke pot. So I smoked pot one day in the 80s and I pretended the wall was a magnet and my body was made of metal shavings and I ran against the wall. <laughs> and that's the only pot I smoked for 50 years. And I don't do any drugs or any alcohol. I'm not an indulgent kind of guy. But anyway, so my wife had said to me, listen, you know, try this gumdrop. So some friends came over and she pulled out a gumdrop and they went off into a corner and I think they were having a good time smoking pot, I believe. It was legal then. And I was pretty bored with it. So she said, here, take this gumdrop. And I took the gumdrop and I went and watched Jurassic Park 2. And I watched it for about an hour and a half, at least an hour and a half before I realized I never turned on the sound. And I said, oh, my God, I'm stoned. This is 1968 all over again. And it was pretty funny. And then I said, oh, wow. And then that night, I had no symptoms. And in the morning, I took the usual pyridostigmine, but I also took a gumdrop, a THC gumdrop, and my symptoms were not there. I didn't take the gumdrop in the morning, excuse me. I, I took the gumdrop the, the second day. 
I took my second gumdrop the second day in the evening because I had taken the other one in the evening. So I said, I'll just do the same. You know how you experiment. So I did the same. I wouldn't change any variables. But that day after the night when I watched Jurassic Park 2 without the sound on, I had no symptoms. I said, Donna, I am having no symptoms because we were used to having symptoms even if I took the prescribed medication. And the prescribed medication is a system-wide medication. It makes all my muscles more responsive to my interests, my commands. And my stomach muscles were starting to spasm and they'd spasm so much you kind of start to see stars. And then one time they spasm so much, I actually fell on the floor in pain. And I, you know, moaned out loud, I gotta, I can't do this anymore. And at that time I was transitioning over to pure THC. So I'm not saying this is gonna work for everybody, but it worked for me and I have no other neurological complications or unusual medical conditions. So I, I weaned myself off the pyrostigmine, started taking the THC, and I was stoned every single day. And I said, oh, my God, I'm Willie Nelson and Louis Armstrong, and that's what I'm going to be like. So I said, well, I'll just be stoned the rest of my life. And I was such a pleasant fellow. My wife and I argued less. And in the morning, you'd forget about the resentments from the day before, you know, that she you know, took your coffee away or whatever it is. And I said, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. Then I did a show, actually. I got to tell you this quick, funny story. I did a show in Greenfield, Massachusetts at a wonderful place called Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center. And I had my usual band and I had brought in this really experienced world traveler, jazz and blues singer. She's an African-American. She's a physically a big woman and uh, she's very outspoken. And uh, she's a hoot, you know, and so I'm doing the show and people are laughing hysterically because I'm making all these jokes because I was so screwed up. I was messing up the arrangements and the band for years know that I would basically stay on task with the songs and the arrangements, but I would screw it up. And anyway, I called her up because it was her time to come up and she's walking up and she's talking over the, you know, when someone walks down the aisle and everyone sees her and she talks up, says, I'll be right up and says something. And then she get on the microphone. She says, there's nothing wrong with Roger. He's not drunk. He's sick. <laughs> so it just was hilarious. You know, she thought being sick was better than being drunk or something. But anyway, then the marijuana effects faded. And then the myasthenia gravis effects also faded. So all I did... And all I do now is I take a gumdrop and a half, which is five milligrams, so 7.5 milligrams of THC. And I usually take an ibuprofen also. And then I go to sleep. And basically, my symptoms are gone, which is in the category of amazing. Because every neurologist told me, you know, we have no cure. And that's probably a good point for, for us to talk about myasthenia gravis for the people that might be watching and curious whether this applies to them. A little background, myasthenia gravis, MG, as it's called sort of colloquially, is actually the most common disorder of neuromuscular transmission. There's a connection between a nerve and a muscle, the neuromuscular junction. It's now one of the best categorized and understood autoimmune 
issues. Telltale signs, just as Roger mentioned, are fluctuating degrees of combinations of weakness in your eyes, in face sort of muscles, in limb muscles, and actually respiratory muscles. So some people have some difficulty breathing, but usually with some other you know, ocular issues, as you were describing, Roger. This weakness is the result of antibodies and the body's own immune T cells attacking the proteins at that neuromuscular junction. They're called acetylcholine receptors or receptor-associated proteins, basically all the stuff around that same area. The diagnosis of Mycena gravis can be established clinically by a doctor or with blood serologic testing. So people, this is not something that we treat at home. This is not something we treat sort of independently of clinical guidance, but it is, as Roger's describing quite well, amenable, you know, not just to traditional therapies, but it seems like this is opening a new door that really the medical industry has no idea about. And one of the reasons I'm thrilled, Roger, that you volunteered to, to sort of share this, share your story, is there are thousands of people out there who are suffering unnecessarily, you know, really with not just MG, but the side effects from some of the medicines, as you brilliantly pointed out, when you have another option, I think it's certainly worth the conversation at the very least. So Roger, did some, like the symptoms build up, like, or was it Yeah, I remember uh, another funny incident uh, before I started getting a full diagnosis and treatment, my right eye would droop, which is very common for myasthenia gravis, which is not a common illness. It's, it's pretty rare. It's like three people or six people per 100,000. And one time I was driving my dear grandson from Cape Cod on a vacation, and I couldn't keep my right eye from closing. So I actually took some scotch tape and put it on my eyelid and taped it to my forehead so my eye would stay up which I was joking about it. And I was trying to get my grandson to laugh. I said, look at this. And he didn't really catch the drift. But at that point I was, you know, untreated completely and I didn't know what I had at the time. It just kept getting worse and worse. How long until you realized it was time to seek help? And you can probably shed some light on this too, Dr. Kaplan, if there's different rates of seeing this. Because the folks that are listening, we want to try to get them some information where they can take hopefully some action sooner than later. Yeah, I, I mean, the reason I'm doing this is because, and I've been wanting to do it for years, actually, but my wife cautioned me and her friend who was an RN and Massachusetts Department of Public Health inspector in her career, they both cautioned me not to say anything in public because I do have a little bit higher profile than the average person because of my music business. It's not very high, but it's a little higher. And I, I did want to say that I don't know if it'll work for them, but I can tell you that it worked for me. And it was in the area of, quote, amazing, end quote, and miraculous, because my life was pretty getting out of hand with the pyridostigmine. I also know that the pyridostigmine can cause the heart to get hard, to not be as responsive. I've heard that. And that's going to lead to heart problems for people with this prescribed medication because the, the heart needs to be soft and flexible and it's making it hard because it's causing it to really contract strongly a lot. Dr. Kaplan, I might be strained from medical empirical knowledge, but... No, that's the point. And that's the goal of the medicine is to strengthen that neuromuscular junction. And you have those throughout your heart, throughout your body. 
Yeah. Um, and if those are weak, you want to strengthen them. And, and when you strengthen them every day, all day long for a long period of time, that can cause damage. Yeah. Here's the thing that people should realize that for me, there is absolutely no side effects. I don't even get goofy or high or happy anymore. I take it before I go to sleep. If I take it in the morning, I'm going to get a little sleepy, but I'm not going to get really stoned, a little bit stoned, you know, a little bit high. And, you know, I'm an old hippie from a psychedelic era, so I can handle a lot of stuff, but it really didn't happen. And I have no symptoms. Now, I take a nap in the afternoon to be sure, because MG requires you to manage your fatigue. So I manage my fatigue by taking a nap. But if I don't take a nap, I'm usually okay too. But if I take a nap for sure, I'm not going to have a problem. And occasionally, still, I will have a problem, but it, it never develops into anything. You know, it just never goes. One time I was walking with my wife. And at one point in your life, if you have a serious illness, this is before using marijuana, I was walking and I'm a real tough guy. I used to do martial arts. And though I'm an older guy, I was pretty tough and I really have a very strong will. And I was walking at this university in the, you know, in the quadrangle and I just couldn't walk anymore. And if I tried to take another step, I knew I was going to fall. And that's a terrifying thing. So it's hard. An illness like that is really hard. If you can't control it, it will control you. And THC changed my life. And I want to share that. Thank you, Roger. It's really a touching story and, and so important that, that everybody can hear it. I understand the sort of reservations around being a person that is well-known, taking a, a leap, I guess, of faith this way and being vulnerable to, to share your story. But I think it's inspirational, not just for the people who might be suffering, but for everybody else who, who's sort of grappling with their own version of suffering to see your strength in coming forward and sharing what you found helpful. That's really it, it, impressive. Thank you. It was also really dangerous too, because sometimes I'd go on stage and to get to the microphone, you know, let's say you're introduced and let's say it's a concert and people are cheering and you can barely get this before THC, barely get to the microphone because there's wires everywhere on the stage. And it all depends whatever the sound or light setup is. So it was terrifying getting to the, the microphones on some nights. I said, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to get there. Because once I got there, it seems to not affect my arms and my singing, which is, I'm so grateful for that. But it can be dangerous. Myasthenia gravis, you know, you don't want to be walking on the edge of the Grand Canyon with myasthenia gravis because you could stumble and fall or miss see something. I still have little tiny symptoms. Like if I don't wear these glasses... I'm usually okay. Like right now I'm fine. But if I put the glasses on, it really helps me focus. You know, these cartoons where they show the character's eyes going all different ways. And then I put on the glasses and they go boing and they straighten out. And that's what happens when I'm having eye symptoms. I just put these on, which is, you know, just a very easy fix. But before I had THC, the glasses weren't enough to keep my eyes from seeing double or I can't scan also. I can't without glasses. And even with glasses, sometimes I can't scan the way I used to. Like if there were 10 items on a kitchen table and there was a glass of milk, or I might not see the milk. So I might knock over the milk because I can't quite see it at first. So it can be a dangerous thing if you're not careful about MG. 
but THC has had no effects on me. I'm my own guinea pig and my wife was a medical person and we kept being very scientific about controlling the variables and just really watching how we were doing it. So it's like, I wish everyone would at least try it who has MG. Roger, have you tried any CBD options, any combination options? What's your sort of experience for, yeah. for people to hear from? Yeah, that's a good question. We did try CBD oil alone and that didn't work. And then we tried CBD with THC and that had no effect, except it might maybe a little, you know, a little lazy or a little goofy or something, but not stone or anything. But just, so we just cut it out because we didn't need it. So we actually experimented for several years trying, we tried tinctures under my tongue because I don't like to smoke anything because I have asthma. And yeah, we tried a lot of different things, but CBD oil had no effect. And what's your impression of your limitations? Does THC limit you to doing other things or consuming other medicines? No, no the THC doesn't l l limit anything I do. Nothing. Because there's no effect. It's basically no effect. Mm -hmm. It's just nothing. It's just, I get this salubrious, you know, benefit of taking it while I'm sleeping. And when I wake up, I'm good for the day. Now, the funny thing about MG is if you have a cold, like a common cold, the MG will act up. In fact, it'll warn you before you're getting your cold, the MG will start to act up. But with THC, I don't even get that. But I used to. I found even during this THC period, if occasionally I have symptoms, they are very mild. They're not like they were when I had the prescribed medication. If I'm walking and I'm having some trouble walking a little bit, I hold my hands over my head like this. And it seems to line me up. I think when most people walk, their heads kind of go before the torso. So their shoulders might. So they're not really skeletally, muscularly aligned. So when I put my hands over my head, my upper torso goes back a little bit and I'm more straight. Like if you were to stand in a doorway and put your heels against the door jam and put your head against the door jam, so you're standing really straight, you'd be surprised how unstraight you usually stand. But I found that helps me too. But basically- I think, I think there's a selection of churches down in the U.S. South where if you- reach up high, you also get spiritual connection. Well, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> but I do know that, it, you know, if I'm having a slight symptom, I put my hands over my head, it goes away. And that is rare that I have to do that. Awesome. But the MG so is really a Walt Disney production. It's a really <laughs> weird thing. It's a weird thing. Thank God my music. Yes. A question to you, Dr. Kaplan. So folks who are like, I've never done any cannabis ever because obviously Roger is comfortable around it, has had it. They're thinking, would this work for me? So how would you approach that type of recommendation for someone who's never had cannabis? Sure. No, it's a good question. You know, these days, one out of every seven people is consuming some form of cannabinoid, whether it's CBD or some combination. Um, so it's actually much more popular and common than, you know, we all kind of think it is, but there's still a lot of people who are cannabis anxious, cannabis nervous, um, a little bit intimidated by the selections at dispensaries that, you know, have wacky names. And, but I encourage people to learn. I mean, I think everybody's comfortable with different pieces of information or different contacts. Sometimes we need a friend who's comfortable. Sometimes we need to learn from 
primary sources and literature. Sometimes it's trusting a doctor. But I think understanding what resources are out there and how you can learn and then having the open-mindedness to hear people like Roger and to give it a shot. You know, I think one of the things about cannabis that's most remarkable is that we're not seeing toxicity. We're not seeing people suffering related to side effects in a lasting way. We're not seeing death caused by cannabis, which is sadly more than we can say for most of pharmaceuticals. So given that it is safe, and it's certainly safe to explore in small amounts and slowly, I would encourage people to you know, seek out guidance, check with their doctor, check with hopefully a cannabis knowledgeable physician, and learn more about it in whatever way that individual is comfortable. And exploring, you're going to find exactly what Roger did. You know, he wasn't a sophisticated approach. He just said, I'm going to give this a shot. And look what happened. It changed his life. Yeah. Yep. I found, and, and you might find if you're a, a patient, an MG patient, that the neurologists won't encourage you or discourage you to take THC. And, you know, I haven't blasted them for that neutral behavior, but I'm on the verge of doing that because they take a Hippocratic oath and they have an obligation to tell their patients what's the best thing for their patients and to ignore THC when it has, as you said, no toxic that I've seen. And I know Louis Armstrong, one of my idols, you know, he smoked pot every day of his life. And actually, if you smoke a lot of pot, you don't get stoned anymore. But I know Willie Nelson's a big pot smoker and he probably smokes every day. But, you know, the whole thing about getting stoned will go away eventually if you take it every day as a medicine, but it'll leave you without your symptoms. I, I think it's a shame that doctors might fear they're not going to have privileges at hospitals if they start talking about pot and start giving people the notion they could cure their symptoms by smoking or I don't like smoking, but eating a gumdrop. But the whole section of doctors who are not speaking to their patients about the effects of marijuana or cannabis, I mean, that's a little unresponsible as a doctor. You have a patient and you can help that person and you're not telling them because some federal law is telling you can't, but in your state, like in Massachusetts, it's legal. I'm on the verge of, I almost changed my neurologist and I'm still thinking about it because they would not talk to me. They'd only say, okay, if it's working for you, take it. But they wouldn't help me examine it. They wouldn't talk about dosages. And I want to add one thing that's important that I think you've already said, but I'll be very blunt about it. If you want to try it, just try a half a gumdrop or something small in the beginning. You don't have to smoke a, a joint. You can just try a gumdrop or a tincture of it under your tongue or whatever. And just go slow. Take a little bit of one. Don't even get off your prescribed medication. Just slowly ease yourself in and out of things and see how it feels. But I, I think there's a Hippocratic issue there. That I agree. I, I agree, Roger. I think it's verging on unethical for doctors. I think, I think it is unethical. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about trying things, I think that's a safe approach. It may not be as successful for someone to try on their own. And I think sometimes people are likely to be discouraged. But one of the things that I'm running in my clinic, actually, is trying to figure out whether topicals might be a viable option. You know, one of the things that is remarkable about cannabis topicals is that they work in strength locally. And it's conceivable that someone with MG having localized muscle weakness might oh. respond well to local oh. lotions. 
Yeah. So wow. I think, I, you know, the, the point there is really, we're at the beginning. This is the infancy of the cannabis sort of experience, the revolution. Yeah. Um, and I think you're a pioneer, you know, sharing this. And I think very soon we're going to see this as part of the mainstream discussion. Doctors, you know, especially neurologists must be informed about this. And hopefully other people like you who are dealing with symptoms of MG will now understand that this is at least an option for some. Yeah, I think there's an ethical question. It's like the, the walrus in the middle of the room. You can't dismiss this when your patients are moving ahead without you. Mm -hmm. You know, you Roger, can't... I wonder when you first were engaging with cannabis and it was helpful, I imagine there must have been some kind of... It was helpful from day one. There must have been some kind of hesitation around sharing it with people for fear of what they might think or what they might say, um, well, not the least I'm of which might... Yeah, mm. I'm a musician. So everyone says, oh, he's a musician. He's getting stoned. I mean, you know, if I started taking LSD and wandering around the streets in a loincloth, they said, oh, he, that's Roger Saloum. He's a musician. You know, so no one was surprised. But yeah, if you're a, a bookkeeper, an accountant, or you're a, a lawyer, or you're a public figure, you know, don't be ashamed. Your health has to come first. And you've got to do what's right for you. And you should try it out. I'm not saying it's going to work for you. Now, I have a friend who's a doctor, and he thinks that pot is just wonderful anti-inflammatory medication. Now, I don't know, because no one even knows where MG comes from. It's not inherited. It's not contagious. Who knows where it comes from? But I do know, for me, I have a cure. To that point, yes, you're right. That, that Cannabis is one of the strongest anti-inflammatory agents we, we know about. And we know that it's mediated by our immune system. We also know that cannabinoids happen to mute or hush some of the systems that get promoted, that get cascaded to make MG symptoms worse. Um, so it makes perfect sense physiologically. The details, I think, probably are beyond the scope of our, our conversation here. But for the physicians and public health leaders that might be watching, they should read the literature. It's pretty plain to see. And certainly to reach out to, to me if they have questions, I'm always happy to share. I think you really kind of had a good power statement right there at the end there, Roger. So any last words of advice or wisdom or encouragement to share with the audience? Yeah, I just want to say I took my THC last night, my cannabis last night, and then around three o'clock in the morning or four o'clock, I'll frequently take another half a gumdrop, but it's very prescribed medication. I'm, I'm prescribing for myself the dosage size, but... During the day, I have no side effects of THC and basically no MG, not much MG stuff at all. Without THC, I couldn't function very well. I'd have to sleep three or four times a day. I'd have to take probably three naps a day. And at any time, I can, using the prescribed medication, I will not be able to walk across a room. And I can't. That's pretty scary. When you get up from the couch and you want to go get a glass of milk or something because you're watching a TV show and you can't get there. You can get there, but man, it looks pretty weird and it's really slow and it can be dangerous. The THC, like right now, I'm not stoned. I'm not high. I'm not anything. I'm just me. And my sense of who I am hasn't changed at all from the cannabis. Not a, not a bit. Just the only thing that's improved is I don't have devastating myasthenia gravis symptoms. <clears throat> we should spell that, doctor, for the people who are watching. It's got a very uh, unusual... For sure. So myasthenia gravis is spelled M-Y-A-S 
T-H-E-N-I-A and Gravis, G-R-A-V-I-S. You know, one of the things that's funny, but worth mentioning, Roger, you know, myasthenia usually is treated with a, a host of different things, including the medicines you mentioned, the peritostigmine, yeah. some other medicines too, some also IV treatments, immune globulin people are given, but also removal of the thymus gland, which is one of the glands in your body that helps your immunity. And there are many people who suffer from MG and have their thymus glands removed. It's quite possible that THC is sparing you that surgery and also sparing your healthy immunity. It's easy to see what is right now, but we don't think about what might have been. And your immunity, while in your case is overactive, is also helpful for you. You know, we need to protect ourselves, especially these days with COVID. And having an agent on board, which is helping you with the MG, but also sparing your immune system is meaningful. I, I am not sure of the percentage on this, but it's only a, maybe 12% or something like that. If you take the thymus, you remove the thymus, the MG goes away. So removing the thymus is only a, a remediation or a correction that will only work for a small number of people. Right, right. <laughs> But there's other medications and, you know, you can get really involved to prevent MG. You can you have to go to the hospital once every three months, get an intravenous thing or whatever. I mean, you can avoid all that with a little gumdrop and mm -hmm. you'll be all the better for it. What does your wife think about it? Well, she likes the effects of marijuana on her nervous system, helps her to relax, helps her to sleep sometimes. She knows that since I started taking it, I don't get up angry at her. So she loves that. And I'm a nicer person, honestly. I'm a nicer guy because, you know, Buddha said holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Person you're angry with, you know, most relationship problems, you get resentments for stupid reasons. There's a number of relationship problems that go away because you just say, I'm not going to be bothered by this trivial thing. She didn't, you know, move this, the salt shaker to the left of the table the way I like it or whatever. You know, whatever you think is your right to complain about. When you take THC at night in the morning, you just say, you know, this, I'm not going to be a jerk about it. I'm not going to hold resentment. It's actually, there's a benefit to it. If you're a comedian or you're a creative person, I think it could be really good for you because it's got a positive effect on your emotional self. So, so an another outcome is it saves your marriage. That's a whole nother outcome yeah. of, yeah, it, of cannabis. It, it, can. it definitely makes you an easier person to be around because <laughs> you let the trivial things slide, you know, like you don't sweat the small stuff. Roger, for folks who, who are curious about listening to your music, can you name a song which was pre-cannabis and then name a song which was post-cannabis just for people to hear the difference? Sure. I, I don't think cannabis had much effect on my music to be honest with you but there's a song i've got out right now it's called i'm free and you can hear it almost anywhere it's about the joy of discharge after a serious illness and it's also about the acknowledgement of the happenstance the accidental nature of health and life you know a lot of things really you you can get a great degree you can have a lot of money and you can drop dead on thursday at three o'clock and the song is also about gratitude to the healthcare workers who truly were risking their lives in the beginning of the pandemic because they couldn't get masks and protective gear. One of my sons spent $5,000 buying masks and giving them away to doctors and hospitals and policemen and firemen. 
So that song is about that. And uh, it's about a recovery from illness. So that's post THC. Pre-THC, I have many songs, a song called Tapping That Thing, which I actually didn't write. Another song I did write called When It Comes to Women and Last Call. Those are all pre-THC. But I don't think, honestly, Dr. Kaplan, I don't think, Dr. Ben, I call you, <laughs> I don't think it had any effect on my creative juices either way. Uh, you know, the THC or the MG. The MG would make it scary getting to the microphone. And I didn't want to fall in front of an audience. So thank God those times are gone. Did I answer your question? Definitely. Okay, <laughs> good. Dr. Kaplan, if there's any other information that people had just curiosity to learn more, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Probably on social media. I like having these conversations in public so that everybody can learn. My Twitter handle at Dr. Kaplan is probably the easiest. I'm always responsive. So please reach out. And if anybody's curious about learning more about MG or has MG and is eager to have some guidance with how to approach cannabis, I'm, I'm more than happy to help. Yeah, you can also contact me and I'll refer them to Dr. Kaplan. <laughs> but I'm at rogersaloom.com. I have people who manage that website. I think you can still reach me through that website or on Facebook and I'll be happy to chat with you or discuss, refer you to Dr. Kaplan or another sane medical person. Roger, we really appreciate you being vulnerable and, and sharing your story. I, I know that for folks that are listening, this is it's going to be a very valuable way for them to feel comfortable and having yeah. some relief. So, you know, really thank you for your time and sharing oh, your story. Sure. sure. I, I especially wish some of those people who are taking the prescribed medication and the side effect is destroying their heart or it's destroying some other muscular system. You should try THC. It, it won't hurt you and it might make you happy. might make you more happy. might make you more creative at least for a while, but I don't get any of the salubrious effects of it anymore. I just don't have my illness symptoms. So I urge everybody to give it a try. It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. It's like taking aspirin. You know, it's going to be really, it's going to be a long time before it has any effect on you. Negative effect. Right. Well, thank you, gentlemen, both of you so much. And until next time. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Tom. And thank you so much, Dr. Kaplan. I'm free. Thanks for spending your time with us. This podcast is for you. And if you have any topics you'd like to learn more about or suggestions, please email us at podcast at indicativemarketing.com. And don't be a stranger. Connect with me on LinkedIn.